1: Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to
0: have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back, the wolves of Ball Street. It is the Draft Deck NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage Time again. Albert, what's happening, bud? What's
1: going on everybody? It's good to be back. Uh we've got a doozy of a of a pod today. Gonna do a lot, have a lot going on. We're covering somebody really exciting. um uh, I know last year we kind of waited for like the top dudes and we waited till the very very end, but this year we're going something different because year by year, we want to keep things fresh. So um, If you thought we were doing some obscure prospect today, you're wrong and you should be excited because <laughs> we're about to get down.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I, I think it's good that we're doing some of the big name guys early because it'll be fun to revisit them in a few months after we've had time to digest everything. We'll have seen the NCAA tournament and how that played out. We'll get to watch some workout footage in the gym with some of these guys. Maybe we'll have more Intel so we can kind of look back and, and talk ourselves into reordering our board 14 different ways um, between now and then. So we are covering Jabari Smith jr. Very popular prospect, uh, Auburn power forward, big uh, 18 years old right now, super young. He'll be freshly turned 19 years old on draft night just old enough to buy cigarettes and lotto tickets. Um, he is 6'10", 210 pounds, a reported seven one wingspan. He is averaging 15.2 points, 6.8 rebounds, 1.7 assists to 1.7 turnovers, 1 block, and 1.3 steals. He is shooting 42.8% from the field, 39.7% from the three-point line, 80% from the free-throw line, 56 true shooting percentage. He's got a PER of 23.5 five uh, a little preseason stock listing for jabari smith jr espn had him at seven sb nation had him at seven basketball news had him at five bleacher report had him at seven tankathon had him at eight he had an average price of 6.8 he was number seven on the draft deck initial play- player offerings in the preseason. then december hit and the jabari smith hype went Crazy! ESPN moved him up to three. Tankathon moved him up to three. Basketball News moved him up to two. Bleacher Report moved him up to three. Sports Illustrated him had it at one. No ceilings. We had him at three. It, he had an average stock price of two point five. Moved up to number three on the draft deck. Hello. However, things got even crazier because between now and December, he has even moved up. Even more, ESPN has him at three still. The Athletic has him at one. Tankathon has him at one. Basketball News has him at one. Bleacher Report has him at two. No ceilings. We had him at three still. Average stock price of 1.8. Currently ranked number two on the February draft deck that uh, we released at no ceilings. But that 1.8 average stock price was tied with Chet Holmgren for the lowest stock price Uh, but Chet had as many number one finishes and more number two finishes, so he had the tiebreaker. But the trend is, is that people cannot get enough of Jabari Smith Jr. He keeps rising up the board. Started at seven, he is down to number two, and he is fighting and clawing his way for that top spot as a consensus prospect. So, Albert, I ask you, at An average price of 1.8, currently ranked number two by consensus. Is Jabari Smith Jr. stock priced too high, too low, or is it just right?
1: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I feel like it's just right. Um, The reason why is because, I mean, at this point of the season, we're kind of in that place where people have fallen in love with Jabari Smith. And, you know, I I think all of it is. Fine. If you're in love with him, great. If you're not, I mean, there, I think you'll find very few people who don't love Jabari Smith. And and Corey, I think one of the big picture things I've been thinking about today is that I think we have to remember to think about Jabari Smith within the context of this year's draft draft. Uh, this is not the strongest draft we've had in years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how this draft ends up in five to 10 years, but um, considering the draft and considering all those different factors, I get it. I totally get it. He's a really fun and aesthetically kind of pretty, beautiful player to watch. So uh, I'm there. Uh, I think I, I don't remember where I had him on my board to be honest, but I get why we have him at three. Uh, Cause we have a lot of big Chad and Paolo fans. So, Uh, I think it's just right because you're kind of, he's right there in the mix with those two guys.
0: I also think that it's fair. However, I wouldn't be scared to buy at this price. So I completely understand the Jabari Smith height. I understand why he's had such a rise more so than probably any of the the top prospects, um, save for maybe Jaden Ivey. But he's, right now, Jabari is much more in that consensus top three conversation. But it does seem high for me. And like you said, you, we have to think about this in the context of there's, nobody has really agreed upon who the number one prospect was. It was very much most outlets had Kate as the number one guy last year. This is much more like 2020 when we really didn't know if it was going to be LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, or James Wiseman going number one up until draft night. And I don't think we'll have a clear picture necessarily up until that point. But it's it's fair. If if Jabari's your guy, I totally get it. It's a little rich for my my blood right now. I got to spend my money a little bit more, more wisely um, for Jabari at that price point. But let's get into it. Let's talk about why Jabari has risen up boards in such a crazy fashion. Um, We like to start with the shooting. And I almost feel like you have to start with the shooting with, with Jabari Smith Jr. So Albert, talk to me about Jabari as a shooter.
1: Um, it's it's really technically sound, um, is the first thing that I want to say. It feels like I, Jabari Smith as a shooter. You can kind of tell that his dad played in the league because it just seems like the kid grew up like taking nine million shots in the gym and really honing his craft as a shooter. Um, and 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 you know to to the bigger picture, I think a, a lot of different aspects of his game show a lot of polish. Um, but the shooting's pretty, man. It's just what I wrote was. Smooth shooter with like nine O's. Uh just yeah. a really pretty shooter. Um, it's fun to watch. Aesthetically, it's pleasing at his size, the way that he shoots it, it looks nice. Um I, I there are times when I don't know, like I I don't know if I've ever heard anyone like I don't think I've heard anyone say it, but I feel like I've seen it in print somewhere. But like I, I really do hope people don't compare him to Kevin Durant because that feels like a mighty mighty stretch to me um and we'll get into why a little bit later cuz the shooting is great the shooting is fantastic um you know shooting the mid-range shooting now i will say uh, i think there's some things he can work on uh with the mid-range shooting and uh, overall but his catch and shoot shooting is awesome um i believe the stats that i had on that was like on his threes uh 76% of them are assisted but he is shooting about 40% which is really awesome um but, yeah, I feel like if i if I don't want to start with a negative, but with all the great things that I said about his shooting, the one area of his shooting that I think needs a lot of work but will be there, i think eventually is the off the dribble stuff I think there's a there's a lot of room for growth there, but um it's a pretty shooter and technically really, really sound
0: and he's got that high release he's six ten it's right. super hard to contest it uh you know what's funny is is that i remember when we were preparing preseason to talk about J.D. Davison. Um, I There was some crossover because they played AAU together on that same AAU team. And I remember watching him and being intrigued by it. This is when I started really diving into the 2022 class over the summer. And the shot was very inconsistent. It was very, I was like, he'll be able to shoot it one day. And then right away, the college season starts and he's fucking throwing flames yeah. at the net, like NBA Jam style. And I was like, oh, that is an unbelievably rapid improvement that I was not expecting. And I think that's one of the reasons that he has flown up boards so much by evaluators, because I think the rate that he has improved has been pretty tremendous, and when you look at his age, and you see how many other ways he has to continue to grow, you see why there's so much intrigue by this by this kid. I agree with you. The off the bounce stuff, obviously, not as consistent uh, or as fluid as the catch and shoot stuff, the off the ball stuff. I haven't seen Kevin Durant yet, but I have seen like people talking about him in the context of like Paul George and oh. I think I think that looking at him as that kind of wing hmm. scares me because mm-hmm. those guys are like crazy shifty with the ball right and Jabari Smith is not not not, not he's not even sh- regular shifty with the ball he's functional as a ball handler and you see him In the way, like when he's hit some pretty crazy shots off the bounce, like running in transition, stopping on a dime, hitting a three, he's able to go behind the, you know, between his legs or, and pull up every now and then. But it's not like, hey, let me cross this dude out of his boots to create separation. It's more like, let me just kind of lull the defender to sleep. And then I can just shoot right over him because I'm so tall. I have such a high release point and such a pretty stroke that I can get it off. So I I don't see him in this mold of, like, wing player that's, like, hey, give him the ball and let him create from the perimeter. Not to say that he doesn't have a little bit of that in him, especially in the NBA with space, but I don't think he's that, like – like, I think if your plan is to give him the rock and tell him to be this guy who's, like, busting out combo moves, I think things can go south pretty quickly. But as a shooter, I mean, look, 40%, high volume – and it looks good. I feel like it's going to go in every time he pulls it. Right. And as a pick and pop threat, he is going to be just absolutely filthy in the NBA. And if he gets put into a pick and roll with the right partner, you know, he could really, really walk himself into some easy shooting <laughs> at the at the next level, and he could be devastating. Uh, I think he's the mid range shot looks good. I like when he faces up, jab step, mm-hmm. jab step. That, you know, he doesn't have to like do too many crazy things. Just like I said, I'm tall and I can just shoot right over you. It reminds me, uh, you know, a little bit of that kind of like Kevin Garnett working in in those spots where sometimes it's better to be, you know, play it simple. He's shown himself capable of kind of like getting in the post and hitting turnarounds. Uh, You know, I, I think that'll be there for him as well so uh obviously like there's not much to be out on on the shot like Mm -hmm. i think that is probably one of the thing the reasons in a league that is obsessed with size versatility shooting the fact that he is big smooth and such a good shooter it's hard to see him not find you know a valuable role and be a really you know big contributor to winning at some point just based off off those attributes alone
1: right right no i am you know i I know our listeners give us a lot of crap for agreeing a lot but i had the same stuff in my notes you know for me i was like what i wrote in my notes is anytime he has to dribble more than three times it's it gets a little dicey um as as you mentioned when he catches it at the elbow at the nail uh he can turn face up he could do a lot of different things there right um something we'll talk about later is even the passing and the playmaking which you see a little bit of um one of my biggest critiques with him though it's all I think all connected with the shooting too. I, I like the shooting, of course. Stuff looks pretty, but I wonder, Corey, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we could talk about this. I, I don't know if he's weaponizing his shooting enough. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think he's only taken it to the basket like 42 times this season. Uh, just looking at the adva- ad- advanced stats or whatever. And um, I, I wish he would use the threat of the jumper a little bit more to take it all the way to the rack and get more you know take more free throws i think he's only averaging four free throws per game right now um now of course like i don't want to we we can't look at these players like we look at nba players there are a lot of different reasons right the spacing in college is worse he's playing with a gigantic center and walker kessler that the paint is much tighter it's it's not the same so i I do want to have that caveat in there but I, i i do wonder if he is weaponizing the shooting Enough, enough and i think that's ho- something that i'm hoping he continues to work on and he continues to leverage in terms of his offensive attack because i mean if we look at it just objectively the shooting is so good uh, i'm just hoping he can use that more to his advantage and then um and, and as you mentioned like i i don't think he'll ever be a paul george kevin durant type of guy because i i just don't think the handle will ever be there like i i think as we mentioned as you mentioned sorry The handle is functional. He can do things with the ball in his hands, but to get like Paul George is an extremely fluid athlete with really really good handle. Kevin Durant, I mean, forget about it. So um, I I I just think it'll be really difficult for Jabbar to ever get to that level um, with the shake and the handle and all that. So I'm definitely with you on that for sure.
0: Yeah, he's a little stiff. You know, it seems like you know some yoga, some flexibility stuff, loosen things up would really help him as a mover uh and i i think that you know having kessler in the paint and i know he's been trying to space it out a little bit more as of late uh but he's not a consistent threat from out there he's not spending a ton of his time out on the perimeter obviously that clogs things up you have an extra big the nba will have more spacing so i do think that you know when he is facing up at, at the elbow or um the three-point line, you know, he does have that one, two dribble long strides that he'll be able to get to the rim and use the the leverage of a little pump fake to, you know, create some space. Or if a guy plays tight, you know, just kind of use that first step to beat him to the spot. But I think that, you know, you mentioned his finishing. And if you look at his overall finishing numbers, because he is super efficient in transition and good at finishing in those situations because he runs hard as hell down the floor, and he's got good hands, and right. he's athletic enough, you know, he's, his, his finishing looks like it's pretty good. But in the half court, he's been mm-hmm. really bad as a finisher. And you see right. ha- that kind of manifest in his shooting percentage. You know, while he's shooting 40% from three, shooting less than 43% from the field against college competition. And a fair you know amount of that is his struggles finishing at the rim. There are reasons, certainly. You know, he's probably the best floor spacer that team has. Uh like we said, Kessler's in the paint, but a lot of it is he's just a little stiff down there. You know, he doesn't I I just don't think he has that smooth flexibility to kind of change things up, uh, the creativity. And he's not like a crazy bouncy athlete. Yeah, right. Like like he if he get has like a little room, little runway, yeah, he can get up there and and I'm sure he'll have his fair share of posters because that dude is a dog, and he'll go at you. Right? He's not afraid. But there are concerns with his self creation ability and the fact that if he's going to be this three level scoring threat that people are talking about him as, mentioning him with some of the names that you know we've mentioned on this podcast, talking about having him as the the number one pick overall, that finishing would scare me from a from a big man. And uh, I know that that. That shot is is beautiful and translatable, and I got no doubt about that. And I understand the three-level scoring projection, but if you're counting on him to be your number one guy as a three-level scorer, that gives me a little bit of pause.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, Corey, the way that I think about him right now, His finishing at the rim, the lack of creativity, um, the lack of pop, in some ways, and and I know it's different and I'll get into it, listeners don't crucify me for it, but if you look at R.J. Barrett and the way that R.J. struggles at the rim at times Um, it it is because he just kind of goes in a straight line. There is a lack of creativity. There is a lack of pop for sure. Um, now the one caveat I'll say, and the reason why I may be a little bit more optimistic on Jabari and his finishing is that uh, Jabari has great, great touch. Um, yeah. I mean it, we see it in the shooting his his touch is unbelievable there even a couple of possessions I saw him finishing with the offhand and it looked pretty nice now it wasn't perfect it wasn't like the most beautiful offhand finish ever he's not Kyrie Irving but uh, yeah. it, it was pretty enough you know and so I, I'm with you Corey I, it definitely is a concern right now and also on top of that he's just not getting to the free throw line as much as I'd like either but I think more than it being a weakness, at least in my mind, more than it being a weakness, I think it's just an area that he needs to grow, Uh, like an area of growth rather than a weakness, because I feel like there's room for him to really improve on that. And then if you start to couple that with the shooting and stuff, then you can get a little bit more excited. And I I think ultimately that's why he is where he is in terms of big boards and mock drafts and things like that, because I think... um, because the shooting is so good and the touch is so good, it leaves you believing that he could eventually get better around the rim as well
0: and the flashes are there you know he's and and I right. think that he's so young that you are buying into those flashes and you're not overreacting to the fact that you know he he is really struggling to finish and the fact that he has improved at such a young age already means that the kid is probably a tireless worker and like um that's something to buy into. And the kids' passion cannot be questioned. So I, I, I get it. Uh to me though, there is something natural about the way that some guys that is just innate that you just have by the time you get to this level. And I'm not sure that he, he can develop it. Not that I just think it's hard for anybody to develop that uh by the time you reach, you know, college, I think it's just something that your movement patterns you already have, but it's there. It, like the the flashers are there, and we'll see. There's still you know college season left to be played, and uh, you know he, he if he has a big showing in in the tournament, it's like he absolutely can just blow the wall, you know, the doors off this thing and and take the the number one spot running. Uh, you mentioned the passing, um. How do you feel about him as a passer?
1: Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, so. oh, the one caveat to that, Corey, really quickly, if I can. Uh, the one caveat to that that what I was thinking about is that I think part of the reason why you might be feeling the way that you feel now, it may be totally unconnected. I'm just thinking out loud. I also feel like he's not fully grown into his body yet. There's still something awkward about his body. Body And I think and I'm wondering if in two to three years, he looks way more fluid as he's more adjusted to his body. Um, it's kind of what I was thinking, both like in terms of everything, right? The the stiffness, the muscle, like everything. So that's just something I was thinking I, just in my head. I wonder if maybe he looks that way and feels that way because he's not fully adjusted to his body was something I was thinking about Um, in terms of passing. OK, so th- if you watch his games, I think he's not going to wow you. He's not, he's that's my thing with him being like a number one option. Um, I don't know if he has like that in him to be a constant creator. Like he, we we use Jokic's name, I think way too much sometimes because there are very few guys who are going to be a Jokic ever. Right. But, Mm With, with Jabari, there are flashes, right? Like even in transition, you see him making some passes. It's like, what the hell was that, right? There are times when they're against like a zone defense. He'll catch a middle and he'll make the right read uh, at the nail, right? He'll, he'll make nice reads off of that. Whatever screens are going on underneath, he can make the nice reads. Um, I just don't think there was anything like ridiculously special about his passing, which was in my head, which is not a bad thing. Like, I don't, I don't want people to li- hear this thing, thing, like, Oh, Albert's low or down on his passing. Like, no, not necessarily. I think he's a good passer. I just don't think he's like the, some unbelievable passer is I think where I land. Um, but then again, there are some really, really nice mo- moments where he'll read the weak side. He'll read what the defense has given him. He'll make the, like quick reads too, um, th- that I, I saw at least. So um I think that's just how I feel. Like I feel good about it. I'm not amazed by it, and I don't think it's bad. Um, is exactly how I feel so far.
0: Yeah. Well, you know the the passing from like the nail and everything. He, this kid, like, is a devastating zone buster for a college team. Like, exactly. And you see, like, you know, he could just catch, face, hit the little shot from the free throw line. He could obviously space it out by playing the wing. He can go porch to porch on the baseline and hit that little the little bunnies and then it leads to the passes where you know especially when you got a guy as big as edwards down there where you can play a little high low with him um in the half court again i don't see him as like that pick and roll creator with as a ball handler i i think at that point like it has a lot to do with the handle being stiff to where all right if he's getting blitzed is he going to take a retreat dribble and then like take advantage and understand where the the openings are from guys that are rotating. I don't see stuff like that, but I don't, I also don't think that's why you're drafting him as a friend or personally. That's, that's would be my philosophy that I, that's not what I would be drafting him for. I would be drafting him as a play finisher, not as a play initiator, because I think when the ball swings to him, wherever, you know, the, the case happens to be pick and pop or just dribble penetration or, um, you know, in transition, whatever it is, I just think he's so good in that role that the, expecting him to create and pass, like, I just want him to be a ball mover. I don't want the ball to stick. And I don't think the ball sticks with him necessarily. Uh, sure, sometimes, you know, he gets the ball and he'll, he'll back you down and you ha- hold on to it for a few seconds before getting shot off. And certainly, uh, as the college season has gone along, he's garnering more and more attention from scouting reports. Now everybody knows Jabari Smith is the guy, right? So you would like to see a, a little bit of that feel because Paolo's showing it, right? Chet, I think, has always kind of shown it. And if that's his main competition, even Jaden Ivey is is showing it now a lot more. And you're starting to see those like, oh, Jaden Ivey, maybe you can put the ball in his hands, make him a primary, you starting to see that a little more. So when you compare him to some of these top guys, I don't think Jabari Smith kind of stacks up in the same way. The question is like, is he going to be so good as a shooter for multiple spots on the floor that you don't really need him. And if you're pairing him up with a lot of these teams are at the top of the lottery, do they already have those guys and and you're going to actually use Jabari as a play finisher. And that's where you're going to see him be this, you know, crazy volume scorer.
1: Yeah yeah no, i'm I'm definitely with you, man. I feel I, I like the point that you made at the end, um in terms of his role fit on the next level. like even if you look at his numbers, like so much of it is assisted right now. as much as like the highlight when you watch the highlights, it seems like he does so much with the ball in his hands, but a lot of the scoring that he's doing is assisted. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something that's important for us to emphasize. And he's not going to be the only one. I think Chet's going to be like that, too. Once he, when, you know, once draft time comes along, those numbers are going to look kind of similar in that way. But I'm with you. Like, I, I think the biggest thing that we keep coming back to is like the creation part of it all. I think it's going to be really difficult for him to do that because of, once again, the handle and the shake and all those things. And also, I, I know we mentioned it kind of in passing. He's not a plus-plus athlete at all. Um, and not in my mind at all. Like, I, I think w- eventually we'll get to the defensive side of it where he shows good instincts and stuff like that. But he's not some freak athlete, and, and I don't think he ever will be, even when he gets into his final form. Um, and he you know matures into his body. I, I that vertical pop, I just don't think is going to be there. So, I, I'm totally with you on that. And I do definitely see him as a guy who's going to be really reliant on a guy like a maybe like a Jaden Ivy. Not that they'll be on the same team, but you know what I mean. Like he's, yeah. he's not going to be a number one
0: so that he's interesting when you do talk about his, his athleticism, because he doesn't have that crazy vertical pop. It's not bad. Right. You know, it's not bad. He could he could uh, get up and, and put it down on you again, though, when he has runway and whatnot, but he is, and you know, this could be a good segue talking about him defensively a little bit when he is defending the perimeter he is super athletic for a guy, his size in the way that he moves. And so it, maybe it's not the bounce. Maybe it's not the vertical, the vertical stuff, but as a just guy who can move on the floor, hell yeah, that dude, he's, he's smooth and athletic because when he's out on the perimeter and I think that he can guard almost every position, I mean, he's suffocating dudes and he is intense. He is sliding his feet. He's switching his stance. I mean, I think that, you know, like he could even get skinny and get up and over around screens. I mean, he's got good timing on contests. So I, I do think athletically, when you look at him from the perspective of like, is he fun- a functional basketball athlete? There certainly are spots where he he does great out really well, even if it's not that like highlight real kind of athleticism that Jaden Ivey has. It's. His, his his athleticism on the defensive end, on the perimeter, I think really shines bright.
1: I, I'm 100% with you. The biggest thing that stood out to me is uh, for a guy his size, he freaking loves getting into a stance, which oh yeah is hard to see. You don't see a lot of 6'10 guys who get into a, a stance as consistently as he does. And it's not like he just gets into a stance to like, because you know, like, okay, Corey, you're you're a high school basketball coach, so I'm sure you've seen this a million times. First game of the season, right? Everyone's locked in after the, you know, a little preseason. Everyone's ready to go. First Mm -hmm. game, first quarter, everyone's in a goddamn stance. Everyone's talking. Everyone's pointing, being, you know, communicating on the floor. And then over time, you know, guys start standing upright and they get a little nonchalant talking so much on defense and you see a little change in behavior. And I think the thing that Jabari Smith amazes me with is how consistent he is uh, with, not just in terms of getting into a stance, but his focus, his energy, the buy-in defensively is unbelievable on ball stuff, off ball stuff, help defense. Um, As you mentioned, guarding out in the perimeter at that size, uh, the movement in his hips, which is strange. Like that's the thing that, which is why for me, I think it keeps coming back to the thing where like, I think defensively he's way more mature um, as an, uh, of an athlete, if that makes sense. And then offensively, I think he just needs to catch up a little bit. Is kind of how I feel. And I, and that's why I feel like it could, he could get there. Um, it will, at least in terms of like finishing the rim and like even some of the movement stuff, I feel like that that could eventually get there. But um, if we're just talking simply on defense, like, yeah, I think he's averaging like a block per game. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, a block 1. per 0. game which yeah, it's not unbelievable but maybe he only had a block per game cuz Kessler's averaging like 14 per game. So, um, you know, that that's something to keep in <laughs> mind as well, but I I really love Jabari as a defender and, and and like we started with the shooting, but his defense might be just as good as the shooting.
0: Yeah, certainly the perimeter defense. I think that playing next to Kessler definitely limits him as a rim protector because one, he's <clears throat> you don't really want to take him away from guarding the perimeter because he is so effective at it. And then like, like you said, like Kessler Edwards, uh, or I'm sorry, Walker Kessler is legitimately averaging like four blocks a game. Right. So uh, how many more blocks are there for everybody else to go around? You know, like they're with a guy like that, like your scheme is to force them into your big man. And like, you're putting Jabari Smith out on the perimeter, hounding guards, forcing them into those spots. Like that's a legit thing. So I do think that if he wasn't playing with, with him, um, that he would be averaging a little bit more, but obviously he's not that level of shot blocker that puts him with Chet or Mark Williams or, you know, his teammate. So I, I do think that defensively he's, about as solid as they come. And when you look at the two-way versatility with the shooting, I mean, that's it, you know, because you do have that question with Paolo, right? And I don't necessarily have that question as much so as maybe some other people do. I think Paolo's been really good on the ball. I think even off the ball, he's usually in the right spots. I just think he gets, uh, he doesn't keep his head on a swivel and, you know, sometimes he loses his man off the ball. But he knows where to be. But I think that's the reputation, and uh, I think it's, you know, because of the fact that sometimes he he gets a little spacey, it's a legitimate thing to worry about, especially at the next level if you're projecting him to take on, you know, a big offensive load. Is he going to be a guy who could defend for for 35 minutes of NBA basketball? I don't know. But I do know that Jabari Smith's going to, and I know he's going to do it with some fuck you in him. You know, like, there there are times where he's literally, like, up in, like, he'll force uh, a turnover. And he's like up in your shit, like clapping in your face. You know, he's like a guy that, like, if somebody did that at the pickup game, like, you would get into a fight with, you know, like, he's got that energy and you hate that when he's not on your team. But if he is on your team, like, you are going to ride for that dude as hard as you can. And that energy is infectious. And when it comes from your leader, from your number one guy, everybody is going to buy in, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, it's easy for teams to start out the season early and really buy into things Um, and then as the season goes along sometimes if you're not having success or whatever it's easy to fall out of those habits Jabari Smith is going to bring those habits every night and from a culture standpoint that's something you want he has those intangibles you know those winning attributes things that everybody is going to love now I want to ask you something because this is something I've been workshopping I feel like this is a uh a good moment to bring it up Jabari Smith is kind of locked into this consensus number two number three spot right now fighting for number one he's got the this versatility right for the for the nBA he's the leader he's got this is there a chance though that he's this year's Jalen sucks where we're getting hype on the college. Intangibles and the leadership and some of the college production, but there are signs that maybe you know there are some guys that we're just overthinking. And since he seems safe, we're ready to kind of put him above those guys.
1: Hmm. So the reason the main reason why I want to say no is because I think the biggest difference between Suggs and Jabari. So <clears throat> I actually love the connection that you made here, Corey, because I, I do think teams will look at him that way. He seems like a very good teammate, rah-rah, team chemistry, leadership, uh, voice in the room type of guy, right? I 1 million percent agree with that. The only difference with Jabari that I think could kind of tip the scales and be make him like definitively different from Suggs, he has a clear defined skill for me. I I think Jalen Suggs, he was a guy that was more of a football player, a guy who's still figuring things out offensively, even defensively. I think he's still, like, learning, growing, developing. Jabari's going to be, I think, in my mind at least, I think he might be a dead-eye shooter from day one, right? Or at least be a very good shooter. So – I think the only reason why I'm going to say no is because I feel like because of the shooting and the defense, he's going to walk into the league with a role or and not just a role per se, but a clear defined skill that he can kind of hang his hat on is the only reason why I'll say no.
0: And I will say that Suggs is going to be very good and he's been playing really well lately. Correct. The the thing I'm drawing and and I totally get understand your perspective and I think I agree with it. Like Suggs it was like, I don't know the hit ahead passes, maybe the the defense, I guess were his best skills. like off in the half right. court, there was nothing for him to hang his hat on. Jabari obviously has that, and that is a big difference. so I think that's that's a really interesting point. um but I do my this this top four is crazy this year because you know, even as set in stone as last year seemed. Uh, up until we got that surprise with with Suggs dropping to five. It's like, there was less thinking for it. Like, you didn't have to think as much for Like, this one, you really have to figure out some stuff. And these top fours never shake out with the best players being the guys that are selected. So, it's like, who's going to be the guy that isn't what we're hyping him up to be? And are the weaknesses that Jabari has... Something that we're overlooking just because he does have one standout skill and the fact that he is finishing at such a poor rate, are we not thinking about that enough? I don't know. Mm. These are the, the the things that by the time we talk about him again in a few months, I'm going to be looking forward to hopefully having some more more answers to. But defensively, I think. look, I think the, guy, the kid is going to be able to guard multiple positions in the NBA. He's going to be able to switch out onto the perimeter. I think he's going to be able to play and drop. He's going to be able to, you know, whatever scheme you want to play, he'll be able to do. He'll ice screen. Like, he's just going to be right. able to do whatever. And that's valuable, and that will translate. The shot will translate. Uh, I think the rebounding, you know, he doesn't have, like, wild rebounding mm-hmm. numbers. I think, yes. again, some of that's probably playing – next to a a giant human being in the front court with him. But, you know, there's the kid does go after boards. Right. And, like, you know, I forgot what game it was. I highlighted it on Twitter a while while ago. But it is literally a play that I showed my high school basketball team on how to box somebody out. Because he did not get the rebound on this play. Yeah. But it was such a badass play because he literally – Found the guy that was closest to him. It wasn't his man. And he Killed went him. over and fucking hit him. Yeah. He put his ass <laughs> into this dude's body, backed him up, and it made way for his teammate to get aboard. And I was like, that shit don't, tra- like, that's not in the box score but like he knows that he's got to put a body on dudes. Like he's a guy that coaches a love because he'll do these things. And you know, he's got the, the pedigree of, of having an NBA family, um, you know, outside of his dad, Kwame Brown is his uncle. So he's got that NBA family. I don't know if having Kwame Brown as your uncle uh, qualifies as a positive or a negative at, at this point, but um, that pedigree and being around high level basketball for so long. So, I, I love the kid. I love the 2A ability. I think that, you know, he will be able to to do whatever you ask him to do, and and that's something that NBA teams will love, and that's something that's valuable. Uh, what NBA teams do you think that would give... You know, what team does Jabari give you the best uh, return on investment with?
1: That's a really good question. I... I actually don't know. Let me take a look. I was not expecting so we this got, question.
0: We got Detroit, Orlando, Houston mm-hmm. in the top three. Then you got OKC, Indiana, Sacramento. Then San Antonio, Portland, Portland. And then the New York Knickerbockers rounding out the top ten.
1: Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate it so much. Um, okay. <laughs> what I'm thinking is... Uh, he would be. I, I think he'd be really fun in Houston. What a young or core Shang-Goon. to develop yep. there! Yeah, with Shangoon, he'll cover Shangoon with some of his defense, and then you've got the low post scoring of Shangoon and the shooting and the spacing with Jabari yep. to go on with J- Jalen Green and Josh Christopher and all these guys. Uh, that's interesting to me. Um, I mean, OKC, right? I mean, no one believes in Poku, right? We can move on from Poku.
0: We're that moving be on. From interesting. Poku. We are.
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah, awesome. we sh- as we should. Um, how do we feel about Indiana? How does he pair with Miles Turner? How do you feel, Corey?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> look, both of those guys can shoot it from me outside. Miles Turner right. protects the rim. Jabari can guard mm-hmm. out on the perimeter. Uh, you're running right. a beautiful pick and roll with Halliburton that I absolutely right. adore. A uh, lot mm-hmm. of shooting with Buddy Heald and Duarte. I mean, yeah, that would be sick. I would love that. Um, yeah. Also, Portland's got two picks in the top nine right now. Mm-hmm. The the draft order mm-hmm. Portland could be interesting for Jabari as well. Because, you know, let's say they're keeping Dame and that's the plan. Their forward depth right now is Nas Little,
1: mm-hmm. Greg Justice
0: Brown, Win- Justice Winslow, and Greg Brown. <laughs>
1: That that'll inspire some. Oh, my
0: that God. that is not the best. Who knows what's going to happen with Nurkic, but like their front court depth is thin, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he would pair really well with Dame. And I think that if you're drafting a rookie at that point, he's a guy that could, you know, impact the game in a way that fits Dame's game really well. Cause you're just expecting him to play off of him, run, pick and roll, catch and shoot. And, you know, Nurkic is a guy who, if they keep him, you know, next year, resign him, whatever. He's a guy that, you know, likes to operate down low. So I think Portland is a a sneaky fun option for him. Um, Obviously some luck has to happen for them and, but maybe they can move up if, if things happen on draft night, like who knows, I think, but thinking Portland could be a a fun, sneaky destination uh, with, with Dame and and Simons on in the backcourt.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I just feel like he's a guy that is not it's not going to be difficult to put him into your team. I mean, I mean, he's not he's not going to be crying and moaning and throwing a fit if he doesn't get the ball. I think he can. As you mentioned, Corey, he's he's going to be, be a finisher more than a, a, an initiator. So I, I think there are a lot of different teams where he makes sense. And especially if you're a rebuilding team and you have like a lead guard creator, why not take a shot? Like, OKC, you have SGA, right? Like that. That's exciting to me, too. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with and SGA
0: that. making plays for him. That's, oh, that's sick. And then, Dude, you know, no. the defensive pressure. Him and Dort? <laughs> Dort? Yeah. <laughs> that's sick. Sick. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, and I-, I think that he's a guy that, like, will thrive kind of irregardless of context, team context, yeah. but he's a guy that could really thrive if he does land in the right spot. But I do think that most of the top options do give him kind of fun guys to play off of. Cade, uh. You know, Orlando, I think a Franz Jabari front court could be really fun. Uh, you know, Houston, you have, you know, all the guards there, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, and then like you said, Shangoon in the front court. I mean, they're and then OKC, Indiana. I mean, he's he's got some spots. Sacramento's at number six. I mean, you know, like Deshante Murray in San Antonio, you know, he's I think he's gonna pair with unless there's like a wild curveball, right? I think he'll pair with with somebody that's gonna form a really nice partnership. If you're buying stock in Jabari Smith Jr., who may you have bought stock in previously?
1: I, I had a lot of trouble with this one.
0: It's I did. So hard. And maybe,
1: yeah. I was thinking like, okay, people are gonna hate this one, but I don't care. Like, what if he is? You remember, like when Isaiah Todd was in college, uh, in high school, and he was going to go to Michigan, and he had all this hype around him and whatever. And then, you know, Isaiah Todd I, went in the first. Did he? Did he go in the
0: first round last year,
1: or maybe early second? I don't remember. Uh,
0: it was it thirty one? Early Washington, yeah, something like that, like, right? Yeah.
1: Like if if Isaiah Todd had reached his ultimate, not ultimate, but was as good as we thought he was going to be, would that be Jabari Smith? Right, six ten, big, can shoot the ball. Um, I, obviously Jabari a better defender much better defender in my mind um but yeah like I really couldn't think of anyone like then I started to think about weird guys like if Jonathan Bender never got hurt and I and I know I brought up Jonathan <laughs> Bender before too uh Sam Perkins like I, I don't know man like it's 610 to shoot the ball that well and like people will I feel like you know our generation where we, we may only think of like Sam Perkins on the on the Sonics but if you go back and watch like the 90 finals when he's on the Lakers like a young Sam Perkins with a with like young Vladi and stuff like that. It was, it's kind of interesting, but um, yeah, I don't know, man, it, it was really hard. It was really freaking, I, I just straight up. will say, I don't have one then.
0: No, I like those. Uh, and I struggled with it too. And I, I'm just going to kind of go with the guys. I've thought of from the beginning. And when I say it, it sounds like I'm kind of underselling how I feel about Jabari, but I'm really not because to me, the two guys that have stuck out for Jabari for me, are joe smith and taj gibson
1: oh joe smith is really good
0: and joe smith was number one pick so yeah you know it's yeah. whatever you think of joe smith who had a really long good career like he was a number one pick he had high expectations and whatnot and then taj like you you would think of that as an insult but like taj is still playing rotation minutes and he's been in the league for a long time but jabari is mm-hmm. kind of the modern version of these guys because he could stretch it out to three mm-hmm. you know but like taj was that that guy who had like this this athleticism that every now and then he would really put you on a poster in a serious way like he had the the balance and the extension he was able to guard so many like different positions i mean I uh, both fans were always clamoring for him to play over boozer like always mm-hmm. like because he was just mm-hmm. so effective defensively and he had that little shot out to the elbow that was you know pretty decent but jabari is a better shooter and he's got it all the way out to the three-point line so i i kind of think that like modern day tosh gibson is kind of my comp for jabari smith and I, I think people will probably think i'm underselling it but i'm really not because tosh was so fucking good in his prime um And I think he's another guy that like, like Taj, like you put him next to one of these elite creators. And like, if you get a, 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 like all-star version of Taj, he's just easy to put whoever next to whoever. And like, he's just going to fit seamlessly and make, make the team better. So that's, that's where I'm going with, I'm going, I'm not going with Kevin Garnett. I'm not going with Paul George. Mm. I'm not going with any of that shit. I'm going to go with all-star Taj Gibson.
1: Okay. Can I just throw one more name at you? I was, I mean, obviously, yeah, of none of these are one for one. Just thinking, like shooting and everything. Rashard Lewis, you know, that came to mind as you were talking yeah. when you brought up like Joe Smith and stuff. Thinking about like a so bigger guy a, who could shoot the ball.
0: Here's my thing with Richard Lewis, and I think that we think of him as like kind of like the modern four, like stretch four, because you know when when he went to Orlando and he was kind of at the forefront of that, you know, firing up all the threes with that final squad. But he always felt a little like a little wingy to me.
1: Oh yeah. No, 100%. You know? I agree with you.
0: And again, like I just don't look at Jabari like that. But I do think when you're talking role, I do think that Richard Lewis is actually a pretty good one.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. He was it's definitely my point.
0: It's time. Come on, ballpoint. Bick. Let's do it. Let's get it. <laughs> it's Come time on, to sell guys. me this pen on Jabari Smith Jr.
1: All right, guys, um, I'm going to sell you on this pen. What's the best pen you've ever used? I have no idea. Um, like a pilot pen? I have no idea. Anyway, uh, but Jabari Smith is a great freaking pen. Uh Jabari Smith is a guy who I you know I wonder what the tone of this episode is going to be for our listeners but I do hope like it comes across that we are big fans of his game like we, we're we... <laughs> I, Corey I actually went back and looked at my board I actually had him number one which yeah. I think is like really <laughs> speaks to where my head is at with this top four as you mentioned like I think all these guys are interchangeable and I and I was even thinking like it's not unbelievable to think that Jaden Ivey goes number one in this draft. I know like, no, people like, whoa, no way. It could happen, dude. It can really, really happen. But let me focus and talk to you about Jabari Smith. Because Jabari Smith, this guy, if you like shooting, he is one hell of a shooter. And a lot of times you think of great shooters, you think of a Steph Curry, you think of a Klay Thompson, a Ray Allen, um, all, all these wings and guards are who you're going to be thinking about, right? Allen Houston, the list goes on and on and on. Jabari Smith is a 6'10 power forward who shoots the lights out. He's an unbelievable shooter. He is one of the most intense, if not the most intense defender in all the country right now at this point. Um, The way that he goes out, there are times when he'll go out to guard a, a guard, and he looks like he's enjoying it. Like He's just laughing and having fun, and it's like the best experience in the world for him. So if you're into a guy like that who is a fluid athlete, not maybe the greatest athlete, but who I think can develop into a really good NBA scorer and a high, high, high high-level NBA defender, then you should be looking to draft Jabari Smith Jr.
0: And whoever ends up with him, I have no doubt that they are going to love Jabari Smith Jr., And have no regrets. So whether he goes one or he goes six, you know, he's going to he's going to get you some bang for your buck. All right, Uh, Albert, tell the people where they can find you on the World Wide Web.
1: On the World Wide Web, you can find me. Well, uh, you'll find me on Twitter at Albert Toe with a with an E, like your the toe on your foot, gim. Uh, you can also find me at GTGNBA. Um, and then on No Ceilings. I, I I write there um as often as I can. So you'll find me there, and of course, always on the draft Act podcast.
0: Yes, sir. Um, follow no ceilings, head to noceilings.substack.com for free articles delivered directly to your inbox monday through friday um we've had some really good ones we just released the the new top 50 consensus rankings for for this draft uh we've had some really good pieces we had a a piece about um from tyler rucker about mateo spagnolo little foreign relations jump off um we did a little fun Valentine's day themed article this week to, to get into the festivities of of prospect that we really like watching. So a lot of good stuff going on there, a lot of good stuff going on in in the future that, I mean, it's going to get crazy in the coming months. So you could follow that at no ceilings NBA on Twitter. Um, You can follow me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter and um, yeah, make sure that, you know, you you share the pod uh, and uh, if you want to, Hit your boys up with with a rating. That would be dope. So Appreciate you guys listening, as always. Um, We're officially in year two of the pod, so very exciting stuff. Can't wait to see where we go. Can't wait for the rest of the process. And uh, we will catch you next week, as always. Until then, we out.
1: Peace. Peace.